What's up, everybody? This is Aaron Marshall. The podcast is called The Present Day Saint. My musings on theology, apologetics, ministry, and doing life as an evangelical Christian in the state of Utah. So grab your favorite hot beverage. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's tea. Maybe it's a hot Dr. Pepper. Curl up on the couch or wherever your favorite chair is and enjoy this episode of The Present Day Saint. This is Aaron Marshall, the present day saint. Thanks for listening to this installment. Uh, we're excited to to talk to you today about something that really this this uh, this book and the I guess the the idea changed my whole life. I mean, and so uh, why this book is so important to me, I, you know, I'll walk you through that here uh, in uh, here in a second. But but you know, back backstory. I mean, I, I didn't grow up as a Christian. And I, you know, I, I, I professed to be a Christian when I was in college and actually got baptized. And, and so whether or not I really was a Christian and just never got good answers to questions that I had, or whether I was, you know, not really a Christian or, you know, whatever the, the story is, you know, I, I lived most, I lived my twenties just running, running from God and, you know, engage, engaging in all kinds of, uh, of terrible behavior and uh, professing to be a Christian the whole time. And, you know, went through uh, a divorce and, you know, and it just my life was just a disaster. Was, you know, at one point even was suicidal. Just we just recognize it. Just you know, my life was just it was bad. And then I, um, you know, I got you know I discovered uh, the gospel of grace. Uh, maybe I had never maybe maybe never discovered that before. Um, you know, this church that we started going to um, with now with now my wife uh, Jess, and this was back in two thousand and seven. But even then, I had all these questions. And in two thousand and nine. I, um, I was wrestling with a lot of things and trying to figure life out, so to speak. And my grandma was really sick and and she died and, 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 and she was totally at peace with her death. And and that was freaking me out because, you know, everyone else is freaking out, but she's totally okay with it. And she was a Christian and and she said, you know, I'm ready to go home. I know where I'm going. And so it was about this time as I'm wrestling with these things and trying to figure out, you know, life and, and everything that I discovered a home study class that was being offered by uh, Southern Evangelical Seminary on and, and talking about apologetics. Now, the pastor we had gone, the pastor of the church that I had gone to when you know when we just discovered the gospel of grace, he had gone to Southern Evangelical Seminary. He had gone to SES, which was a, a seminary that studied you know primarily focused on apologetics. So I would look at their website from time to time, and I, and it, they had posted on there about this home study course that they were. Uh, that they had available with uh, talked about theology, apologetics, uh, cults and world religions, and evangelism. But the apologetics uh, part was one that was really interesting to me because I was thinking these are questions that I have, and I don't think there are good answers to them. But I'm super interested, you know, if there are, and I'm interested to to learn from people who you know who who would say that there are. So, you know, uh, a series of events that I ended up taking or buying the home study course. It was over the course of two months that I took it, that I went through it. The apologetic section that you know we jokingly say you know Romans twelve talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind and jokingly I believe that happened to me but you know jokingly saying I was born again again and it was it was apologetics but specifically it was a classical apologetics argument and that classical apologetics argument that that I studied that I went through but just fleshed out you know in a deeper way over the two months is is captured in a book by Frank Turek and Norman Geisler called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And so this book has been instrumental in my life because it was this classical apologetics argument 
that I went through, uh, but again, you know, just fleshed out, you know, in, in, in each topic was just fleshed out in, in a deeper way that really, that again, just changed my life and it changed, you know, it, I believe it changed my eternity. And so what I want to do today is just briefly, I mean, I want to encourage everybody to read this book. I mean, obviously I think this book is, is super important whenever, you know, Rasha Christie, um, at the at the university uh, at the Utah Valley University this semester, we're actually just going to go through this book, uh, just you know chapter by chapter, just talking about these things and and wrestling through these questions. And, you know, and he starts off at the introduction. He says, "Look, every worldview is going to have to answer these questions. You know, origin, identity, meaning, morality, destiny. Where do we come from? Who are we?" Why are we here? How should we live? And where are we going? Every worldview has to answer that. And ultimately, there's basically three worldviews. You kind of can condense them all down to three, which is an idea of theism, God made all. And this is the idea of, you know, that everything is sort of in the palm of God's hands, you know, metaphorically speaking, of course. Pantheism, God is all, where God is in everything. And then atheism, obviously, no God at all. And basically, those are the three major worldviews, and every worldview can be kind of taken into different parts of that. So, for instance, you know, um, polytheism, which is what Mormonism is, would be a, a branch of theism. Um, you know, th- so there's different ways you could you could kind of flesh those out. But basically, the argument from the book is it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be. A Christian, and what he means by that is an atheist has to believe lots of things that just, you know, that all, that everything came from nothing, um, that uh, everyone's wrong about uh, Jesus' resurrection. I mean, all these kind of things that he just says, I don't have enough faith to believe that. And so what he, what uh, Geisler had done, um, you know, Geisler passed, uh, I think this past summer, um, but what he had done is he had, he had come up with this sort of 12 point argument for the truth claims of Christianity that was based on a classical apologetics argument. And so this, what this book does is it just takes that argument and then it flushes it out. So I thought I'd just kind of go through it briefly and maybe hit on some high points and then, uh, but basically just encourage you to read this book because these are the kinds of things that we talk about with our Russia Christie students. And these are the kinds of things that I want to, that I'm challenging LDS students with when I'm talking to them. So the, the first point is uh, in the 12 points is that truth about reality is knowable. And so the idea is that there is an objective truth and we can know it. And then the second point is the opposite of truth is false. So this actually is interesting because we would spend most of our time at the university probably challenging, being challenged on these two questions, that the fact about truth about reality being knowable and the opposite of truth being false. Because most people want to say that we can't know truth or, you know, what, you know, what's your truth is your truth, what's my truth is my truth. And basically what he, what he does in the book is he helps people understand that truth is that which corresponds to reality. This is called the correspondence theory of truth. And the nature of truth is that anything that is opposed to it is false. And so something can't both be true and not true in the same sense. And we can know truth because to say you can't know truth is actually a truth claim about truth, right? So it can get complicated. I get it. But the point is that that to say we can't know what's true is actually a truth claim and everyone everyone is making truth claims. And so the question is, what is true? Not can we know truth? So truth about reality is knowable. Which means if I give you good evidence, uh, and, and the and the opposite of truth is false. So if I give you good evidence that God exists, then you can't say, well, that's just your position, your opinion. I'd have to say ultimately that it is that's true. The only way you can attack an argument, and this is just from logic. Maybe I'll review a logic textbook that was helpful for me uh, in the future. But from logic, it could tell us that if I make an argument for my position, 
Um, the only way you can defeat that argument is if you show me a term that I'm using that's unclear, if you show me a statement that I'm making that's false, or if you show me that my logic is valid. You can't say, oh yeah, well, you're a hypocrite and these other things, because that doesn't actually deal with my argument, right? And so we... we we have, but we first have to get to the nature of truth first before we can even move on. And maybe what we'll do over the course of uh, multiple podcasts is we'll take each of these um, topics and we can flesh them out even more because you know there's a whole there's multiple podcasts on each topic. But those are the first two points. If we can't agree on those, then we can't agree on anything. But actually, to deny them is to affirm them because you're saying it's not true that that the the truth about reality is noble, which again is a truth claim about reality. So those are the first two points. Then the third point is, it is true that the theistic God exists, okay? And then he says, so in the book, it gives evidence by the beginning of the universe, the cosmological argument, the design of the universe, which is the teleological argument, and the anthropic principle, the design of life, which is the teleological argument, and then the moral law. And so what he does over the course of multiple chapters is... It gives arguments that demonstrate, I think, that God exists. So, for instance, the beginning of the universe, the cosmological argument. That argument uh, goes like this. Everything that begins to exist needs a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe needs a cause. And then you begin to analyze, okay, what that, what could that cause be? And the cause itself would have to be timeless and spaceless and immaterial, which are three of the attributes that we talk about with God. When you look at the design of the universe and the anthropic principle, you look at the fact that the universe is essentially designed for life, that our universe is designed for us. There's all kinds of cool videos and stuff that you could watch on this, but but it seems like that someone, someone was designing everything for life to exist um, in the universe. And the best explanation of that is that it actually was designed. And then you look at the design of life, and there he looks at you know, basically what we are is we're information. And so there's been lots of intelligent design uh, um, theorists and, uh, you know, Christians, uh, ID people who have talked about the design of, and, and what you are is your information. And as we've discovered DNA and genetic information, that you're just like this really, really, really complex computer code. And we know that information comes from a mind. And so the question is, if we're information, how could that come from anything but a mind, which would be God? And so he walks, and then walks through also arguments as to why naturalistic evolution doesn't work. I mean, naturalist evolution does not account for the origin of life, which is a huge problem, uh, right? And that would be a chemistry problem. And we've had chemistry professor at uh, UNC Wilmington who demonstrates to us, there's like also uh, a guy named James Tour who does talks on this, who demonstrates that chemically it's impossible for life to come from non-life. I mean, uh, what would have had to happen is essentially impossible. And then even if you said, even if you give me life, Right. Where do you get that information from? Right. And where do you get the where do you get the influx of information at like the Cambrian explosion? These other things. It just doesn't work. Um, And then the moral law. The question is uh, all law. I mean, the the argument would be that all laws come from a lawgiver. There is an objective moral law. Therefore, there is an objective moral lawgiver. Now, obviously, this is challenged by a lot of people on campus and stuff as they deny objective morality. But I think there's tons of ways we can demonstrate that mo- that no one lives as as if morality is subjective, right? So I believe, for, as an example, um, you know, we just recorded a podcast a couple of podcasts ago that that uh, killing people is wrong. That well, that murdering people is wrong, and murdering innocent babies in the womb is wrong. I don't believe that's just my opinion. It's just my, you know, I don't believe that's like on the same level as I like Dr. Pepper. I think murdering two year olds is wrong. No, I think it's an objective standard that's true for all people at all times at all places, not just my personal preference. And if those things are true, if the cosmological argument, the teleological argument, um, 
and the moral argument, plus there's tons of other arguments. If those are true, then that means that a the- that, that God does exist. A theistic God does exist. Okay, so that's point three. Number point four, if God exists, then miracles are possible. I mean, this is just, it goes with the, uh, you know, just goes along with it. If, if the first words in the Bible are true, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then miracles are possible because miracles would be God acting in the world. Fifth, miracles can be used to confirm a message from God, i.e. as acts of God to conform uh, to confirm a word from God. So the idea is miracles are possible, God exists, miracles are possible, and miracles can be used to confirm a message from God. And so uh, we would specifically, we're going to look at Jesus and the, and the miracle of his resurrection. Did it confirm a message from God? And we believe the answer is yes, that he was giving us the new covenant ultimately. All right. Uh, number six, the New Testament is historically historically reliable. So what he does is over multiple chapters, then he looks at the New Testament being historically reliable, and he's evidenced by early testimony, by eyewitness testimony, by uninvented or authentic testimony, um, eyewitnesses who were not deceived, and he gives lots of reasons for us to believe that not only do we have what the authors wrote in the New Testament, but what the authors wrote is true. And why? So it's important that we're going in this particular order. You, you don't just jump right to that in a classical apologetics argument. First, we have to settle the nature of truth. Then we have to show that God exists. Then we say, okay, if God exists, you know, what kind? What, which God is it? Right? Is it, is it Islam? Is it Judaism? Is it you know? Is it Mormonism? I guess. Is it Christianity? And so we're going to look. We're going to we're going to look at the evidence to try to determine that. And so we're going to zero in on the New Testament first. We have to determine: Do we have what the authors wrote? And is what they wrote true? So as as opposed to the claims of the Mormon Church that says that we've lost the the originals, you know, the New Testament. Well, we lost. We don't have the originals of the New Testament, we, but we lost what they have, uh, what they wrote, and that it was corrupted and all this other stuff. We could actually demonstrate, and he walks through in the book that that's not true. That we actually do. We can be, you know, with ninety nine point five percent certainty, we can be certain of what of what the original said. And um, then there's other reasons to believe that what they wrote is actually true. Verse uh, number point seven: The New Testament says Jesus claimed to be God. So it walks. What he walks through is. All right, if we have what they wrote in the New Testament, right, and we believe that what they wrote is true, then what does the New Testament say about Jesus? Well, the New Testament claims that Jesus is God, okay? So it makes these claims about this person named Jesus. Um, and then the question in point eight is, okay, well, how can we figure that out? It was was just because it claims it, right? How can we figure out if it's actually true? Well, point eight is Jesus' claim to be God was miraculously confirmed by a, his fulfillment of many prophecies about himself, B, his sinless life and miraculous de- deeds, and C, his prediction and accomplishment of his resurrection. So the first thing it looks at is prophecies from the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled. It looks at the the infinitesimally small probability of somebody fulfilling all of these prophecies, um, looking at all of them that that only we believe only Jesus could have fulfilled, that his sinless life, his miraculous deeds, the, the New Testament d- documents, that the people who lived with him, you know, for... Um, for for years, talk about how he never sinned, and then ultimately his resurrection. Right, so the fact that he did live, he did die on a cross, and that he did rise from the dead, and there's there's actually good evidence for all these kind of things. So you know, there's lots of people who have begun to examine the evidence of Christianity, specifically the evidence of Jesus that he rose from the dead, and they come at it very skeptically. But then after they look at the evidence, they said, oh, wait, no, this really is true. And so there's good reasons to believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Again, what we'll do is, you know, over the course of the podcast, we can go through each of these chapters, you know, one by one, because there's so much that you can say on on each of those. So if if those things are true, everything that we've just said is true, then point nine, therefore Jesus is God. 
Okay, so if if the New Testament is historically reliable, if the New Testament claims that Jesus, if the New Testament says that Jesus claimed to be God, and that that claim was confirmed by the miraculous by the by these miracles, including the resurrection, then Jesus is God. Okay, and it talks good reasons to believe that. Number ten, whatever. So if Jesus is God, then number ten, whatever Jesus, who is God, teaches is true. Now this is important as we're challenging, uh, you know, the LDS. They would challenge that you know that Jesus was a created being. We'd say no, Jesus is God. He's the second person of the Trinity. Uh, that there's the Trinity is three persons, one essence, right? And so Jesus is God, and whatever He teaches is true, right? So point eleven. Jesus taught that the Bible is the Word of God, and he walks through the the places where Jesus actually taught the Bible is the Word of God. Number point twelve. Therefore, it is true that the Bible is the Word of God, and therefore anything opposed to it is false, which takes us back to premise two. So, if the Bible is the Word of God, then anything that is opposed to it is by definition false, because something can't both be true and not true in the same sense. And the reason why I think this this book and these argument this argument is so um, helpful and was so important to me is it just walks you through those step by step. So you have to settle these issues one by one before you move on to the next one. So if you get hung up on the nature of truth, okay, well, there's chapters that are devoted to that and you can hopefully settle that before you move on to the next arguments. Now look, each of these chapters, there's books, there's tons of books on each of those, you know, topics. So if you want books on the nature of truth, I can give you those, you know, on, on arguments for God's existence and give you that on evidence for the resurrection, reliability of the New Testament, all these kind of things. But all of this is, I mean, so if you're, if you're asking me, is the, is, is this the best book on each of those topics? No, definitely not. I mean, I think even Turek would say that, but is this the best book that covers all of those topics in a one volume, um, book that's accessible to almost everybody? I think, yeah, I think this is the best one volume resource for a classical apologetics argument to take you from the, you know, is uh, you know, is you know, is truth about reality knowable all the way to the Bible is divine and inerrant word of God. And again, each what it does is it just gives you uh, really good arguments for all those points, and then it helps you points you directions if you want better arguments or you want you need know, them fleshed out more that you could do that with other resources. So uh, you know, this book is has been pivotal. I think it's been instrumental in in certainly in in my life because of the argument that I've got, and then I you know ultimately what happened with me is I went on uh, to, after studying this through the home, the home study uh, apologetics course that SES, Southern Evangelical Seminary, put out. I ended up going to seminary there and studying uh, these things there. So the first class I took at SES, the second class I took at SES was a, an apologetics class where essentially we went through this, these arguments, but just fleshed them out in a, you know, in a deeper way. And they ended up getting a degree in apologetics and philosophy from Southern Evangelical Seminary. So, you know, I, I, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I've never heard a lot of this stuff before, you know, but I'm interested. Number one, I would say, you know, get this book. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist by Frank Turek and Norman Geisler. Um, you can list, uh, Frank Turek has tons of stuff, cross, crossexamine.org, tons of resources, tons of material. He goes to college campuses all across, um, the country and, and does is I don't have enough faith to be an atheist presentation. So you can watch videos, YouTube videos of him doing the presentation and walking through this material. Uh, but you know, so get the book, you know, listen to his, uh, talks, consider going to Southern evangelical seminary. It, you know, if, if you are interested in this and, and you want to uh, learn, you know, these arguments, you know, that SES is a place to do it. So if you go to ses.edu, you can actually find out, um, you can actually, uh, 
deter, you can find out, um, where, you know, what classes they have available, but, uh, they used to have, uh, an apologetics class by Geisler that was free, that was available to, uh, to anybody. And so that's something that you could, you know, you could check out and see if that's something that you want to look at, um, to determine if you want to, you know, study this further. But I was convinced, so, you know, as we wrap this up, I mean, essentially I had all these questions. Um, you know, if you asked me, you know, before I studied this, any of this stuff, if you would have asked me, anything in regards to, uh, you know, the nature of truth, you know, I would have said, well, look, it's, you can't tell someone else they're wrong. And who are you to, who are you to tell anybody else they're wrong? You know, it's impossible for one way to be the only way. It's very, you know, um, arrogant and, you know, to think, think that what you believe is, is the only way you can't prove God's existence. There's no evidence that any of this stuff's true. And then I, but I never heard it, you know, I never wrestled through it. And then I got all this evidence and I was like, wow, this is incredible. This is true. And, and the cool thing about this book is it, you know, directly contradicts lots of things that, um, we see in, uh, that other religions would, would say, uh, so Islam would say Jesus didn't die on the cross. Uh, Mormonism would, uh, deny God's, the true nature of God and deny, that we, uh, that we have what the authors wrote in the new Testament. Um, you know, and we see in Judaism would certainly deny that Jesus is the Messiah, that he rose from the dead, uh, that those prophecies were fulfilled. Uh, those old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. So we just have tons of evidence, I believe, um, that Christianity is true. And this book does a good job of, of laying that out in a, in a one volume that's accessible. You know, that's, that's, that's not a tough read. It's accessible by anyone. Uh, so I would encourage you all to read this book. Obviously, like I said, this book has uh, been immensely important to me in my life in a classical apologetics argument. Um, we can talk about in the future, if you're interested about the difference between classical apologetics and say presuppositional apologetics. And, uh, but really, I would encourage you, I think Southern Evangelical Seminary, this, the philosophy and the, um, the, the theology that they're teaching there, um, I just think it's trained me to think better, certainly better than I was trained in law school. And uh, you know, the, I've, 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 I've benefited just immensely from the education that I received there and that I continue to receive from the books and, uh, and, and the videos and stuff that, that SES people are constantly uh, turning you know, me on to and, and people that they're introducing me to that are just helping me grow in my understanding of God's nature and the, the truth claims of Christianity. So encourage you, please, you know, pick this book up, read it, uh, check out Frank Turk's ministry, crossexamine.org and a lot of his videos. And hopefully at some point we'll bring Frank Turk out here to Utah and he can do his, I don't know how to faith to be an atheist, atheist presentation at the campuses uh, where we have chapters here in Utah. But I encourage you, if you, if he is coming to a, a college near you, you can look at his schedule on cross examine.org to go check out the presentation because he's a great speaker and uh, we've had him at UNC Wilmington multiple times and just does a great job and uh, answers lots of lots of questions that people have and that's why the that's why we do apologetics because people have questions and, and we believe Christianity has those answers and um, this is a great book great resource to, to help you answer your questions and help you answer your friends questions so 10 out of 10, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, recommend this book to everybody, uh, Norman Geisler and Frank Turek. So hope this was helpful for you. Uh, you know, short book review. Again, what we'll do over the, you know, in the future is I'll take each of those each of the 12 points and we'll spend a whole episode on them. Maybe, you know, some of them multiple episodes because it's just so much to flesh out, but that's a good overview uh, of a classical apologetics argument and the book. I don't, I don't have enough faith. Be, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist by Frank Turek. So hope this was helpful uh, and encouraging to you. If you like the, what you're hearing on the present day Saint podcast, please give us a like and a review on iTunes. Please subscribe to us uh, on iTunes or speaker or whatever, 
podcast app that you're using. And if you would consider you know, maybe even donating to us on Patreon, becoming one of our Patreons, um, getting ready to, to jazz that up in our Facebook page and all that stuff and do, do a lot more with that. But we just got that set up. So uh, we'd love to have somebody even be our first Patreon. And like I said, in the future, maybe that can be our, this can be our primary form of ministry as we're doing this and on college campuses all across um, the country uh, with the Rosher Christie ministry. Thank you for listening. This is Aaron Marshall, the present day saint. I will talk to you later. Thank you.